0: Welcome to 30 Minutes from 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. This week, we are proud to feature a session from the 2019 Festival of Books curated by Pima County Public Library's Nuestros Rices program. This session was entitled Fuerza and was centered on strong women of color characters. KXCI's Zava de la Torre interviewed authors Ron Query and Luis Alberta Urea. Ron Query's riveting book, The Death of Bernadette Left Hand, has been reissued 25 years after its publication. Query of the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma and Luis Alberta Urea, author of The Hummingbird's Daughter, will discuss their signature works and the strong female characters in their stories. Nuestras Raíces, Our Roots, is a group of Pima County Public Library staff members who work together to celebrate and honor the culture, voice, and linguistic heritage of our Latinx and Spanish-speaking communities in Pima County. This is part one of a two-part series.
1: Good morning. My name is Elva de la Torre, and I am with KXCI Community Radio. All right. Welcome to the 2019 Tucson Festival of Books. So I'd like to introduce our guest. Uh, Ron Query is an internationally acclaimed author. He's of mixed Native American and European American descent and a member of the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma. His novel, The Death of Bernadette Left Hand, won the Border Regional Library Association Southwest Book Award. The novel was originally published in 1993 by Red Crane, and last November, Cinco Puntos Press reissued a 25th anniversary edition. He lives in northern New Mexico with his wife, Fine art photographer Elaine Query, and their cow dog, Shorty. <laughs> I'm glad that it was included on, on the website. Luis Alberto Urea is the author of The Hummingbird's Daughter, published in 2006 by Back Bay Books, as well as many other bestsellers. Luis was born in Tijuana, Mexico, and currently teaches at the University of Illinois, Chicago. He's the recipient of the American Academy of Arts and Letters Award. And last night, he received the Tucson Festival of Books Founders Award. Felicidades. His most recent novel is The House of Broken Angels. Thank you so much to both of you for Thank being you. with us. Uh, so the panel theme is Fuerza. So for this talk, we'll be focusing on the novels The Death of Bernadette Left Hand and The Hummingbird's Daughter. Before we get into more specifics of the novels, I'd like to ask some questions about writing in general. So to each of you, and maybe uh, Ron will start with you, can you tell us what motivated you to become a writer? I, I think I knew I wanted to write
2: and be a writer the day I learned to read uh, I, can, I can clearly remember my mother reading to me when I was a young child uh, and, which she did a lot I didn't I, I never knew my father I, I never I've never even seen a picture of him so I was raised by my mother and my grandmother and, and people but I remember her reading to me and I remember looking at the pages as she would read and you know what she would read me is as you probably would can imagine were a lot picture books and so I thought she was making up stories about those pictures and uh, I think we'll, we'll, we'll talk about later that's what I've done is I look at pictures and make up stories about them but that that motivated me to do it I just love the sound of words and uh, I always wanted to write as long as I can recall Luis almost
3: exactly what you said
1: (laughs) okay back thanks Ron Ron.
3: (laughs) (laughs) no same same I you know I was word crazy my mom read to me my mom's I I grew up in a war between, you've heard this before, but between Mexico and the U.S. You know, the kitchen was the U.S., the living room was Mexico. So we had the border right there. And to my mother, I was Louis. Louis Woodward, a good American boy. And to my dad, I was Luis. Or ruder words in Spanish, but I've been warned about language up here. And uh, I came to English a little late. I spoke Spanish first. And... uh, you know, my mother wanted to win that competition. And she would read to me at night. Same thing. She wanted to use literature. And I i, I didn't even realize it until recently that she was desperately reaching across a canyon to me, giving me what was hers and she started with Charles Dickens and I had no idea what she was saying. <laughs> right? Because I came out of Tijuana with a Tijuana accent, okay? And my mother was talking with an English accent. She would turn British. You know, all of twist looked at the audience and thought, how strange. And I thought... And but then she switched to mark twain and i was kind of yeah. i was taken with that and uh, i think the only thing we had in my family was talk there was no money and no hope but there was a lot of talk mm-hmm. and so later on when we moved away from the border and i found out that our neighbors didn't like us for being mexican mm-hmm. i think that was that was an impetus reading listening to leonard cohen And, you know, finding out that people were disrespecting the the only people I really loved.
1: So that actually leads into the second question um, about being bicultural, Mm. um, which you both are. And so can you talk about how that experience of growing up bicultural has impacted your novels? Ron?
2: I was was raised in Oklahoma we lived. We lived for a time on, on the, uh, my mother's mother's uh, allotments that she got from the Choctaw Nation, and but the Choctaw Nation is is uh, is in eleven and a half counties in the uh, southeastern corner of Oklahoma. We didn't live there, so I wasn't around. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of Choctaw people. In a matter of fact, the first time I was really immersed in Choctaw things was, it was my wife and I traveled to uh, Mississippi, where the Mississippi band of Choctaw Indians are. And uh, I, I was sort of fascinated by it. They live, in a, they live in a, on, a, on a reservation that's very tiny. Uh, We don't have a reservation. Uh, When I say 11 counties, that's the Choctaw Nation. It's not a reservation. Uh, But in Mississippi, they have a a federally recognized uh, reservation, and the people there still speak the language. A lot of them do, I'm sure not all. Elaine and I went and saw stickball games and that sort of thing and I was really taken by, by all of that. But my my experience with native people has mostly been in the southwest and northern New Mexico and, uh, and southern New Mexico. I remember once the, uh, we were at Tuskehoma, which is the uh, capital of the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma, and the then chief uh, was talking to me about. We were talking about something about Indian dances and stuff, and he said, "Well, you know, we Choctaws we don't dance that well." He said, "We're not uh, we're not those feather Indians that live on the other side of the interstate," and in fact they in fact they're not we're not, and uh, that's why I wrote I, in this book I've written about other tribes, mm. not Choctaws, uh, because. I I don't know them nearly as well as i know navajos and uh, and taos pueblo people we lived in taos for a number of years and they fascinated me uh, although in my next novel uh, not the next one but the, my second novel which is called bad medicine uh, i had one of the characters with uh, mixed blood Uh, Choctaw, the the primary character. Because the chief said to me, he said, why don't you write about some (laughs) chocks?
1: Will do. All right. so um, in both of these books, there are strong female characters and narrators that drive the novels, yet their lives are largely shaped by male characters. Can you talk about the tension between female and male representation in the plot? Luis.
3: Yeah, I would never narrate a novel as a female I think that's overstepping the bounds, but, you know, Teresita was my aunt and I grew up hearing stories about Teresita, Teresita, Teresita. So I, I started out to do a footnoted biography, I wanted to do a, 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 you know, but there was very little material about her. She died in 1906 right before the Mexican Revolution and unfortunately for her, the most powerful Historians, certainly in Mexico, were non-indigenous males who had very low opinions of tribal people and certainly dismissive about a, a, a yaqui woman, yaqui Tehueco woman. And, you know, the phenomenon of what happened with Teresita, one of the, one of the Mexican critics said that it was due to menstrual enthusiasm. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Doc. Right. The, that's a that's a motivator. That is some PMS. <laughs> Whatever it takes. So I I was, I was you know, it, it, it took twenty some years to do the book, partially because it was really hard to do the research, and I spent the first ten years, frantically you know the Historical Society, libraries, museums, special collections, getting all the archival stuff I could. I went, you know, I went to Texas A&M and looked at at William Curry Holden's archives, everything I could find about her. And, you know, she died at 33, and up to a certain point, she was my elder, right? I was, I was, uh, like, answerable to my auntie, and then one day, I was older than her when she died, and it was really interesting how it changed. Mm. And I, I felt a family responsibility suddenly to her. And the older I got, the younger she got, and I, I, it changed my relationship to her. And um, I went to Boulder to do graduate work, partially because I wanted to study with Linda Hogan and Vine Deloria Jr., and I tried to foist it on them, and they said, no, she's your... she's your woman you're her son it's your job to do this story so I I, I reluctantly switched over to fiction and then I I reluctantly took on the mantle of telling it but I wanted to tell it for my family Mm. primarily and then I realized I wanted to bring her back to the world and then not to get too mystical but this is Tucson when medicine (laughs) people started showing up she appeared to me and told me to do it Mm so i thought you know okay let's do it well
1: i think we got a notice from you know spiritual notice uh, a few minutes ago over yeah there. We'll, we'll if simon ortiz were here he would have said <laughs> hey look it's a sign so ron can you talk about that about the tension between the female and male representations in the plot in your book
2: we know from the from the very first page of this, of this novel that Bernadette left hand is dead and in, in what we're doing is talking about her death and the story came to me from, from uh, two photographs that I saw and I told you that, that I thought my mother was making up stories about photographs. Well, I, Elaine and I were in Durango, Colorado. We had gone up to hear uh, hear uh, Larry McMurtry and Leslie Marmon Silco give a talk at the, at the college up there. And we, we were walking around the town of, of Durango first. We, we lived in Taos at the time. And I saw a book by a friend of ours in Taos that I hadn't known that she wrote. It was called When Buffalo Free the Mountains. And it was a story of the Ute Mountain Ute tribe uh, in Southern Colorado. Yeah, a nonfiction book. And it was, I don't know, $20 or something. It was the first edition, a hardback. And so I bought it. I brought it back to the motel room where we were staying and put it on the bedside table. And then we went that evening and saw Larry and and Leslie and, and had breakfast with them the next morning. But that night, I I took it off the bedside table and was just thumbing through. It had photographs, black and white photographs, that Nancy Wood, who was the author, had taken. And on one page, there was a a photograph of a a youngish uh, woman, Indian woman, uh, sitting. And she had on a, a beaded dress. And she had her hair in braids. And she was sitting in a lawn chair uh, which I imagined was at some sort of doings, you know. And uh, the caption of it said that her name was, and I can't remember, but say uh, Victoria something or other, Box. No, the last name was Box. And it said, that it, This is Victoria Box. Uh, and this photograph was taken just a few months uh, before she was murdered. And. I mean, and she had, oh, she had an, infant, an infant on her lap, I, very important. I thumbed through, I didn't read the, the text that went with it, just that caption, I thumbed through a bit, and it's, uh, she, there was a, another picture of a young man with braids, and a down vest on and he was sitting and he was playing a drum and and they said this is joe box same last name uh, playing at, the, at a bear dance uh, uh, somewhere and he said this picture was taken not long before he murdered his wife <laughs> now i i sort of you know i made the assumption which you might have made as well that, that, that the, the earlier photograph was the girl. I will tell you, and I'm not lying, I, I've never read that book. I, ne- I never then read to see what in fact happened. <laughs> <laughs> but this, this was in my mind. And so when, when we got home to Taos, uh, Elaine was working as a newspaper photographer. I wasn't doing anything, and I was feeling quite guilty about it. So I, I decided I would write fiction. I would write a novel. <laughs> I'd never, I'd never written fiction before. I had no idea. I mean, I read fiction all the time, but I'd never read. And so I began this novel. And I'll, I'll tell you that the first two or three pages in this book, it's not because I have such a marvelous memory, but because the, the computer in those days told me this, uh, the first few pages in this book never got a word changed in them. I sat down and began to write. And... Uh, there's great tension throughout this novel because it, we're, between the male and female characters because, because uh, the male characters are primarily are two brothers who are Navajos and the two sisters, Bernadette Left Hand and her younger sister, Gracie. The, the story is primarily narrated by Gracie. Uh, There are some other characters that narrate, too, and I can tell you how I came about doing that. That might be a different question. But I had to have someone tell this story, and uh, I didn't know how to write fiction.
0: You are listening to a session from the 2019 Festival of Books, curated by Pima County Public Library's Nuestras Raíces Program, entitled Fuerza, on 30 Minutes from 91.3 KXCI Tucson. Torre is interviewing authors Ron Query and Luis Alberto Urea. That's actually the next question. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: to, let's continue with that. Ron, can you share why you chose the vantage points for your book? Yeah.
2: Well, when I when I began to do it, I, I wanted to talk about the fact that, that Bernadette was dead, and so I began it with uh, uh, the voice of Gracie Left Hand saying that she remembered. Uh, That time it was a Sunday morning when uh, the police came, the tribal police came to their house and uh, told her father that uh, Bernadette had been murdered and been killed over at the powwow grounds the night before. And uh, I mean, there's just this startling sort of thing. And this was told through Gracie's voice because she talks about she was fixing breakfast for her father for before he went to church. And, uh, you know, it's just this horrible news. And, and they wanted to know if her husband Anderson had been told yet. And the police said, we, we can't find Anderson, we're looking for him. And. Uh, That's how the the narration in in the the younger sister's voice is what I used up until I got to a point where there were things that I said, well, she wouldn't know this. So I had to find another character. And uh, I, I brought in a white woman by the name of Star Stubbs who Bernadette had worked for as a housekeeper in Dulce, New Mexico, which is on the Hickory Apache Reservation. And uh, Starr was very bored. She had been a, a, a been a model in New York, and she moved there with her husband, who had who was a singer, and he loved he loved uh, that part of the New Mexico, and they wanted to live there. And she read all she could about Indians, so she had the she had these the these good you know she had insights that that. The, Primarily the, the the Indian narrators wouldn't have she's read She's read Anthropological texts and that sort of thing things that I was reading <laughs> and then I had to have uh, uh, I had an, another narrator and then I had myself finally there were things star wouldn't know and so I had to have someone else uh, come in and that's
1: how that's how I got different narrators and how they came about I really enjoy the, the, the change of the, the narrators throughout the novel. All right, Luis, in your novel, there's violence from supernatural forces and from other people. Can you talk about the story that you're telling with these plot elements?
3: Well, it's history. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't make it up. So my job was to follow the skeleton of, of her existence and her, her cultural... Inheritance, you know, she was born of my great uncle Tomás's assignations with mm. indigenous young women working on the hacienda, which was a, you know, that's a power thing. Right. And um, she came into a world of genocide against her tribe, and uh, displacement, mm. and uh, and terror and poverty, and so. <laughs> She comes to the world, she, like I said, she only lived 33 years, and I thought, I want to write in honor of her, I want to bring her back to the world, though if you meet some of the healer societies, they, they say they still work with her, which mm-hmm. I think is amazing. One of the women I met said, yes, yeah, she, she, helps, she helps us do healings, and I said, "But senora, she died in 1906, and she said, so? <laughs> and I thought, I like that perspective. <laughs> you know when you're dealing with the reality you don't have to embellish those things at all what happens when you're writing a novel for me is my my, my kind of glib answer for a while about why i changed to fiction but i think it's true is that you can't footnote a dream hmm. and the longer i was with them the longer i i immersed myself in their in their lives And, uh, you know, I found writings of hers that people hadn't read. And, you know, my relatives, a lot of them are in the medicine tradition, her descendants. I realized that I knew them, she and her father, better than the uh, historians could say. Or I intuited what they they were like. Mm -hmm. So I was constantly faced with this this terrible stuff, these massacres, these these endless, you know, displacements. And this this man, Tomas Urrea, he was the first cousin of my great grandfather Seferino, and they were raised together as brothers. What interested me is the presence of this this girl who became a young woman kept somehow moving people toward the light by her just being there. Mm-hmm. And so he classic advantaged Urrea Hacienda owner, young man, rich, best horseman in Sinaloa and Sonora, all that stuff. They used to call him the skyscraper because it's tan alto y guapo, all that junk, you know? He meets this little girl, and no one can explain why, rather than cast them out or, you know, let's not, he takes her into his home. And once he takes her into his home, next thing you know, he turns his ranches into refuge for Yaqui for and Mayo people. He was constantly doing these great deeds. And I can just imagine him saying to himself, what the hell are you doing? Why am I doing these? What have I done? And that fascinated me. So the historical clashes you know are just inescapable and I d- didn't want to change those. I followed them all the way down, but I thought if I'm going to do her honor and honestly my family honor, I want to go from the moment she's born till the moments after she dies. And all of the other crises that come along are historical. I moved one in time just to make the story a little clearer and I condensed a couple of characters, you know, into because you can't you can't have 15 different important cowboys or, you know, 247 girlfriends for Tomás Urrea.
1: (laughs) Well, maybe. Well, maybe.
3: (laughs) But the book was already too long.
1: (laughs) And and Luis, how long did you say you spent uh, researching and writing?
3: 25 years. 25 years. I wouldn't have done it if I'd have known. (laughs) It was like the world's worst term paper
1: assignment. (laughs) Well, we're, we're grateful that you did. Thank you. So, Ron, uh, I want to get back to uh, the crime of uh, how Bernadette was murdered. And uh, we, we will try not to have spoilers here for those of you who may not have a chance to read the book. But So the crime of how she's murdered is revealed towards the end of the book. However, there still seems to be some ambiguity about the role of alcohol and the role of the spirituality witchcraft. So can you talk a little bit more about that?
2: Sure, I began that novel, as I told you, after seeing those two pictures, and I made the same assumption that I when I described it to you, I think some of you made. Uh, I assumed that she had been murdered in one way by one person, and then things, as I, as I was going along, they changed. I had no outline. I had no real didn't know what I was doing I just went ahead and and wrote on and there were elements of witchcraft and let me tell you that there are very few Navajo Indians today who do not believe in witchcraft As a matter of fact uh, that that's been a, not a problem but that's been a source of some some concern with the uh, random house brought this novel out after red crane books did mm-hmm. and they had it in an addition they surprised me with the cover that they the art that they used for it because i had gotten i had uh, gotten permission from a well-known navajo artist uh, to use a painting of his as the cover and i was surprised when they when they they used the the, the cover that they did which had a picture of an Indian person looking up, but there's also a, a, a rattlesnake or a mm-hmm. snake and there's also a, a, a skull in that, in that image. And I, I remember once a young Navajo woman came up to me at, at SIPI, an Indian school in uh, New Mexico, in Albuquerque, and she said, I love that book so much and I want my mother to read it. Uh, she said, but I have to, I, I can't take it to her unless I take, cut the cover off. And it was a paperback that she had. Well, I gave her a hardback of it so she could take the dust jacket off. And she said because uh, she wouldn't allow it, that in her, to her, her house, a picture of a rattlesnake and a picture of a skull. The book itself, she said, it would be fine, and her mother would, in, would like it and see along, but she didn't, didn't want those things.
0: You've been listening to a session from the 2019 Festival of Books curated by Pima County Public Library's Nuestro Stasis program entitled Fuerza on 30 Minutes from 91.3 KXCI Tucson. Elva de la Torre interviewed authors Ron Query and Luis Alberto Ureña. Thank you for listening. I'm Amanda Schager. This has been part one of a two-part series. You can find this in all recent episodes of 30 Minutes on the 30 Minutes program page at kxci.org.